Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by a man who wasn't on last week's show, but he's back this week. It's Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So we're going to waste no time. We're going to dive straight into part one. Part one, of course, being the review part of the show. So we're going to start with a card that that happened last weekend. There wasn't too much on last weekend, but we're going to start with a card that happened over in Norway. I think this is probably going to be the first time we're doing this. Um, actually starting and opening up the show with a card featuring... Um, a female boxer so all the very best to the champion in this one she managed to win yet again she remains undefeated 31 and 0 now Cecilia Baracus she also retained her WBC WBA IBF IBO and WBO world welterweight titles as well against Erica Farias who had a record of 24 and 1 now 24 and 2 um Cecilia Bracus pretty much won every round apart from one, so uh, she she did really well there. Unanimous decision across all three cards after ten two-minute rounds. Um, I saw a little setup of the arena, actually. They actually put together the whole thing just for her, so that's amazing, man. So all the very best to her and her loyal trainer, Mr. Jonathan Banks, a good friend of the show. Moving over now to the U.S. at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino, Verona, New York, USA. Um, there's one fight to mention on this bill. We spoke about it just briefly, myself and Eddie Chambers, last week. Um, Regis Progray, 19-0. and 0, I think he had 16 knockouts. He took on the also undefeated Joel Diaz Jr., 23-0 and 0, with 19 knockouts. It was for Regis Progray's NABF super lightweight title. Now... A lot of people expected this to be a bit of a war. A lot of people expected Joel Diaz Jr. to win this fight. But it was not what happened. Um, Joel Diaz Jr. just seemed to be... I don't know if he was out of his depth. I don't know if he was caught cold. I just don't know what exactly happened. Um, Diaz Jr. was knocked down four times in the second round. And Pro Gray just walked straight through him, really. He just absolutely uh, bulldozed him, if you like. A human bulldozer in there and did a serious job on Joel Diaz Jr. Now, that was Joel Diaz Jr.'s toughest fight going into the fight and it was also Pro Gray's toughest fight going into the fight so it didn't look like it for Pro Gray made very very easy work of a good fighter there and hopefully we see Joel Diaz Jr. back in action very soon we wish him the very best with his return and also now Regis Pro Gray moves to 20-0 and and he turns into a serious contender in the super lightweight division at 140 moving over now to the Odyssey Arena in Belfast Northern Ireland we're going to start with the undercard. A couple fights to mention on the undercard. The return of Mike Perez. He's been out the ring since 2015, since being iced by Alexander Povetkin. We don't know if he was um, under any kind of 
unusual substances at that point in his career, Povetkin. But Mike Perez, I'm not going to you know raise any flags, but he's in some seriously unbelievable shape. I talked about it again on last week's show. The man is absolutely ripped to shreds. Um, he returned with a bang at cruiserweight. As we all know, he's moved down in weight. Uh, looks absolutely shredded. He took on a man called Victor Biskak, who actually had an unbeaten record of 10-0. and 0. Um, Mike Perez made very light work of him. I think it was really the first punch that landed. It was the first backhand that landed. He, you know, I think he landed with a couple of jabs, maybe a couple of silly little left hooks that didn't really have much behind them. But the first proper shot, he went down and he looked for a way out straight away. Just picked up his paycheck and bounced, if you like. Hopefully the check doesn't bounce. I don't think um, that will happen. But no, it was very, 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 very quick, the fight. We didn't really get to see too much of Mike Perez. He moves to 20. 22 and 2 with one draw, a KO there in round one, but a terrible performance from his opponent. And it's very frustrating because we want to see more of Mike Perez. Hopefully, he doesn't go on another, um, you know, two year or so hiatus and we don't see him in the ring. We need to see him back very, very soon. All the very best to Mike Perez. Also, moving up the bill, a very, very good win here for Luke Watkins. He went into a fight against Ian Timms for the vacant Irish cruiserweight title. Now, Ian Timms was 13 and 3. You you know, he's, he's, he's a decent fighter. He's of, of a certain level, he's a decent fighter. Luke the Duke Watkins obviously being managed or trained, I should say, by the infamous Paddy Fitzpatrick, a man that we also like on this show. And Luke the Duke did the business. He marked the victory with a brutal knockout in the fourth round, a KO in four. It was scheduled for 10, and Luke the Duke now becomes the first, if I'm not mistaken, the first black Irish cruiserweight champion. Um, it may even just be the first black Irish champion. I'm not even sure it's just in the cruiserweight division. You know, if I've got that wrong, you can definitely tweet me in. But no, a really, really good win there for Luke the Duke Watkins. It finished up with a, um, it was a good combination. It finished up with a straight right hand, straight down the pipe. And that was all she wrote. Ian Timms looked in a bad way. We wish him all the very best. And Luke the Duke now 11-0. and 0. They're talking about that potential fight against Tommy McCarthy, the man that was supposed to fight Mike Perez. And for whatever reason, that fight didn't end up happening. So, um, yeah, that would be a really, really good fight there. So all the very best to Luke, the Duke, Watkins, and Paddy Fitzpatrick moving forward. Also on the bill, James Tennyson took on Ryan Doyle. James Tennyson picked up the win and also the vacant is now not vacant, WBA International Super Featherweight title, good win there, um, Ryan Doyle was pulled out after six rounds, so James Tennyson, as I said, 19-2, Ryan Doyle, 14-2, with one draw, and a really impressive win here, Paul Highland Jr. moved to 16-0, with a TKO in the first round over Adam Dingsdale, Adam Dingsdale brought to the table a record of 16-3, now 16-4, with one draw, Dingsdale was down twice in that first first round. It was for the vacant IBF East and West Europe lightweight title. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Paul Highland Jr. was maybe even a slight underdog, so um, I'm not too sure about that, but yeah, really good win. He just, you know, it was it was kind of a shocking win. It was um, a real upset there. Fantastic, fantastic win that for Paul Highland Jr. And he, you know, he really marks himself as a a guy that you've got to watch out for in the lightweight division. A man that I think has a decently bright future. But now the main event. A man that we had on the show last week. A good friend of the show. An all-round nice guy in 
and outside of the ring. I won't say too much inside of the ring. He can be a little bit of a crafty bugger, but to be honest, he did not show up. He did not look himself. We're going to get straight down to it. Lee Haskins, the IBF World Bantamweight Champion, put his belt on the line against the undefeated up-and-coming Ryan Burnett, a man that is highly spoken of in the boxing world. Lee Haskins, 34-3. and three. Now, Haskins and Burnett, there was a lot of head clashes. I think that was just purely due to the two stances clashing. The um, Obviously, Lee Haskins being a southpaw, Ryan Burnett being orthodox. Uh, the feet were coming together a little bit. The, the heads were coming in. And there was a head clash early on in the fight. I think it may have been something like round two or three. And it was a real bad head clash. Ryan Burnett actually came off worse of the two. But they both immediately were bleeding heavily. It was like straight down the middle of the forehead, if you like. Um, not the best place to have a cut as well. And, you know, Ryan Burnett, I mean, he looked like Harry Potter for a little bit. I know that, you know, he's, he showed a bit of a funny side afterwards. He's come out with a picture of himself and some sort of blazer with some sort of homemade magic wand. But, um, no, he, he really did look like Harry Potter in that fight. Um, you know, they did a great job in the corner with the cut, to be honest. We were a little bit worried that the fight could be stopped early and it would have to go to the cards prematurely. But I think that... Lee Haskins is a man that is known to start pretty fast, and I don't think Ryan Burnett really allowed him to get in his groove. I don't want to make too many excuses for Lee Haskins, but I think Lee Haskins just did not really look himself. I'm not sure if it was the timeout. I think he had about nine months out of the ring. That may have played a part. It's not too long, really, in the in the modern day and age. But um, I don't know. I think that the speed of Ryan Burnett really threw Haskins off. I think that... You know, compared to somebody like Stuart Hall, where you can say that was a decent fight, Stuart Hall's a really slow fighter if you compare him to Ryan Burnett. A lot of people, again, are calling for that fight now, but we're going to talk about what happened. Um, unfortunately, it went down as a split decision win for Ryan Burnett. It should have been unanimous. One judge gave it um, really, really wide to Lee Haskins. Now, it's since come out that the judge got the fighters' names wrong. I don't really want to talk too much and have too much of a rant on this, but that is shocking. I mean, to get the two fighters completely mixed up, I mean, that's unforgivable. I think um, since the fight, I think that the judge has you know, had his license took away. I think he won't be able to judge again, especially at that level. That was a real bad mistake. The, the judge was, I believe, in, in his 70s, I think maybe mid-70s as well, so... You know, that's 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 an that's an appalling thing, to be honest, that we can take away from it. Lee Haskins was down in round six and round eleven. He showed the heart of a champion, but to be honest, he just did not have enough. Ryan Bennett was too fresh, too unpredictable, too quick, and I think a little bit too strong in parts as well. We really saw a lot from Ryan Bennett. He answered a lot of questions. He answered a lot of critics. A lot of people were saying, you know, he's, he's highly talked about. He hasn't really done anything. And to be honest, I think we're all um, guilty of doing that. I think we all kind of said that he hasn't done anything on that level yet. He's talked about really highly by Adam Booth and his, his team of believers, but we hadn't seen it on that level. Well, now we have Ryan Bennett, 17-0, and 0, perfect record, the new IBF World Bantamweight Champion. And there's a lot of juicy fights for him out there now. But, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic for Ryan Burnett. Seems a real nice kid. You could see the emotion on his face after the fight. He fulfilled a promise to his father that he'd become world champion. He's done it his way as well. And Lee Haskins, as I said, 
the heart of a real champion. He showed some grit, determination, and of course, most importantly, some balls in that fight. Lee Haskins, 34-4, and four, and I'm really not too sure where he goes from here. He seems to be a man that really should have made more money than what he has, should have been a bigger name than what he has been. Um, he was, you know, he was at the top of the world for a while, and some people forget him. So it's it's a real shame. I feel I feel very sorry for Lee Haskins, to be honest. But of course, we wish him the very best of luck, as we do Ryan Burnett. Moving over now to the Pioneer Event Center in Lancaster, California, United States. Two fights to mention on this bill before we're done with the reviewing. Um, a man that was on our show a couple weeks back, Brandon Rios. He returned to the ring after having 19 months out. He returned. At welterweight, he put his opponent, Aaron Herrera, down in the seventh round with a body shot. I saw the shot. Aaron Herrera was absolutely done. Brandon Rios actually, I think, landed a really big body shot just before the one that, you know, ended the fight. So... Props to Brandon Rios. Um, I didn't watch the whole fight. I've just seen a few little clips of it. And I think that um, a few of the rounds were a little bit close. A few rounds were a little bit... You know, a little bit war-ish, a little bit warrior type. We know that that's the way Brandon Rios likes to fight, but it's not a great style if you want to have some longevity in the sport. We don't really want to see Brandon Rios in too many more wars, but when he sticks to his boxing, he is a good fighter. Also on that bill, Mario Barrios moved to 19-0, also with a TKO in round 7 over Rodriguez. That's Jose Luis Rodriguez, who had a record of 21-9. and um, it was a body shot as well. So two body shots from the two fights that we've mentioned there, both in the seventh round. Mario Barrios, 19-0, and 0, and Brandon Rios, 34-3 with one draw. But that's really it from the USA. That's really it from last week in total. We're now going to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA light middleweight world champion, Mr. Austin Trout. Austin, it's been a long, long time. Welcome back to the show. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me back. Hey, it's my pleasure, my friend. So, Austin, unbelievably, it's been over 18 months since we last spoke. You just got a win over Joey Hernandez back then, and you told me I'm a former and future world champion. And I said, I know that, Austin. Then you obviously got the fight with Jamal Charlo. I just want to talk about this fight just for a moment. Uh, for those that that get confused between Jamal and Jamal. Jamal is the one that just moved up to middleweight, and he's the better of the two brothers in most people's opinion. So, Austin, you obviously had a very close fight with him, actually. You pushed him closer than anybody else has. What do you remember from that fight just over a year ago now? Um, you know, I remember I, um, I remember I was off to a little slow start, but I, I felt like I picked it up uh, before the halfway mark. Um, you know, it, it was a good close fight, and you know, hats off to Jamal. He, he's uh, he's making me look good by being the good champion. So, I'd love to relook at the film again. But you know, I was proud of my performance. It was definitely a good fight to be in, and in the fans enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was a good fight. It was a good fight. If you remember, Austin, we put out a list of fights that we'd like to see across all of the weight divisions in boxing about about two months ago or so. And I actually said I'd like to see Jarrett Hurd fight Austin Trout, to which you replied saying, and I quote, Absolutely, and then voila, it was like Father Christmas came early. The fight is now here. We're on to the next one. You're now fighting for the same belt, um, actually, that you fought for last time, the IBF Junior Middleweight 
title. Jamel vacated the belt when he moved up. Tony Harrison and Jarrett Hurd fought for the vacant title. Tony Harrison looked to be winning that fight comfortably in some parts of the early stages until he ran out of gas and eventually got stopped. Now, Jarrett Hurd becomes the champion. You now get your chance to get your hands on him in his first defense of the title. I bet you cannot wait to get in there, Austin. I cannot wait, but you know, it's, it's I, I always look at things as you know as, as uh, predestined. I'm a big believer of spirituality, and I don't think I don't believe in coincidences. You know, I don't think it was a coincidence that um, I come back with my next fight for the same belt that I that you know I worked really hard to get. So you know, I appreciate the Abby for for allowing this, and I appreciate Jared Hurd for for making this fight happen because it's a voluntary defense. He didn't have to take this kind of fight. Yeah, absolutely. Credit to Jarrett Hurd for taking the fight. How do you rate Jarrett as a fighter, Austin? Where does he rank amongst some of the other guys that you've boxed previously? No, he's right up there with with all the you know top fighters that I've been with. Um, you know, one thing about me is that I'll fight anybody, and and you know this is he he's in the same caliber as definitely as as uh, a lot of the fighters that I've been in the ring with. And one thing that did jump out at me, Austin, and I'm sure that you'll know this as well, Jarrett is obviously a good fighter, he's unbeaten. However, as far as I'm aware, he's fought only three southpaws in his career. One he beat on a split decision, one he beat on a majority decision, and one was Jojo Dan, who he stopped in his fight before his last fight. Jojo Dan's the complete opposite to a crafty southpaw like yourself. No disrespect to him, but... Um, he's he's a pretty well. He's not he's not a great fighter. We will say that. Um, do you think being the crafty southpaw that you are, do you think that you will be able to give him a lot of problems with your style? Absolutely. I think um, you know my style is, is made for for a fighter like his. Oh, you know, it's not nothing's going to be easy, of course, but you know, it's definitely going to give me a, a slight advantage. Okay. And Austin, you would have been out of the ring for 14 months by the time fight night rolls around on July 29th. Surely that's not ideal preparation for a fight of this magnitude. In your time out, how much of the time was spent in the gym properly training? And you know what I mean when I say properly training. Well, you know, I, I was never out of the gym fully per se ever. You know, I always try to stay in the gym, whether it was be just to stay fit or to not get however you want to call it, <laughs> I try to stay somewhat active. So, um, you know, I, I just say I would probably in the gym, you know, 30% of the time with proper training, I'd say. You know, instead of the, you know, if training camp was 75 to 80% of the time, then, you know, I was there 30 40%. Okay, fair enough. Um, Austin, I know that you, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was you, you, you did a bit of road work the other day and ran into a rattlesnake. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. me and uh, my coach Creed, we found a, a rattler out there. It was crazy. I wanted to you know, just move him off the road so he didn't get ran over, but he didn't know that and he was not happy. Oh man, I wouldn't want to do any road work out there, that's for sure. As I alluded to earlier, Austin, you've been saying that you're a former and future world champion for a couple of years now. You get another shot here. Do you feel like this is a must-win fight for yourself? Do you see this as a last-chance saloon to regain the championship status? Absolutely, you know what I'm saying? They, uh, I've always felt like I was in my business for odds anyway, and against the wishes of, of certain you know, I'm not I'm not a Canelo. I don't have a country behind me, but 
you know, the fans I do have are organic and authentic. And so, you know, the machines, they, they want the fans that they can just, you know, push on a, or, you know, on a bus and go. So <clears throat> to be, a, you know, the contender I am and, and the kind of fighter I am, which is a very dangerous fighter with, with potentially low reward, if I lose this fight, they're going to, you know, take that chance to not let me back in. But, you know, it doesn't matter what they want. You know, like I said, it's all predestined. This is all written. And I just have to fulfill it myself. You're fighting on the undercard of Adrian Broner versus Mikey Garcia. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Austin. Who do you see winning that fight? I cannot wait for the entire card. Well, I mean, gosh, it's it's really a pick and fight. You know, I don't care how you, how you look at it. Mike... Mikey Garcia, he he's very crafty. He's he's good at what he does, you know. But Adrian Broner, when he is, what's the word? On his game. When he, yeah, when he's game, when he's, um, when he's training, when he's focused. That's the word I want to say. When he's focused, that kid is a beast. So you know, a lot of people trying to write off Broner because he didn't look so great in his last fight, but that wasn't a focus, Broner, and and he wasn't fighting a Mikey Garcia. So um. I know you guys want me to, to give a prediction, but that's really a pick and fight for me. I don't see it being an easy fight for Mike at all. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll let you sit on the fence in that one, but we won't let you sit on the fence in this one. Triple G against Canelo, a man that you've been in there with. Who wins that one? Another huge fight. Man, you know, I, I believe Canelo's going to win that fight. Oh, wow. Honestly, yeah. Pete, I mean, Triple G, he, he's a... He's, uh, you know, he's up there in age. He, um, Dan Jacobs might show us a lot of things. Like, one, his power doesn't carry over. And then although Canelo does gas a bit in the later rounds, his, his explosiveness and his power still, you know, it carries with him. Um, that's, uh, I know it's interesting. Hopefully Canelo is the underdog because I'm going to put money on cinnamon. But uh, I got Canelo in that fight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good fight, though, nonetheless. And the final real question for you, Austin, we ask um, a lot of fighters this question when they've got a big fight coming up. Uh, you don't have to give us an answer if you don't want to. Do you have any kind of prediction for the outcome of your fight? How do you see yourself winning that fight? I, you know, I feel like I'm going to break them down. I can, I'm not going to predict any kind of knockout, but I'm definitely taking a unanimous decision. If if uh, if he could take what I'm going to give him, July 29th. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Austin, just before we let you go, I just really wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to send a message to any of your UK fans. I think last time I did tell you this, you've got a hell of a lot of UK fans over here that are behind you. Any message for them before you, before we let you go? You know, I, I appreciate every single one of y'all, and um, I'm trying to make it to the UK. You know, after I win my belt, tell Liam Smith he comes to get this work. Hopefully, he's got a belt to put up. Since they kind of overlooked me for my 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 first belt, but still, you know, I'm trying to make my way to the UK, and uh, I'm, I'm down to fight one of your guys' uh, brawlers. Yeah, absolutely. It'll make for a great fight. Okay, listen, Austin, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Best of luck for July 29th, and we'll no doubt catch up after you become, once again, the present junior middleweight champion of the world. No, no, what a blessing. Thank you. Have a good one.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as always, before we delve into that, we're going to go to Ayaz with this week's news. He wasn't here last week. It was left up to me, but he returns with the hottest news in the boxing world. Ayaz. Former British boxer Errol Christie has died from cancer age 53. Yeah, it was a heartbreaking thing. Errol Christie's a man that was a fantastic amateur. He won all 10 titles that you could win at the time. He's in the Guinness World Records for that. Um, He never really fulfilled his potential as a professional. Um, He was a well-respected man around the circuit. You know, he had some fantastic fights and nights around the mid-1980s. Errol Christie is... You know, he's a guy that, as I say, he could have gone on to bigger things. He he just wasn't able to crack it under the bright lights. So, um, you know, it's it's very unfortunate what's happened, of course. It's another death in boxing. It's another um, premature death because he was only 54. Um, I know that Steve Bunce went to go and visit him just two days before he, um, he passed away. And Steve Bunce was, you know, on Twitter pleading with people to send him in um, you know, get well cards and stuff like that. And he did that literally a few hours after visiting him. He took to Twitter, Steve Bunce, and credit to him, he, he said, you know, please, can we can we send in some cards for um, Errol? And a lot of people reacted saying, yep, I'm going to send cards in. Some people were actually designing cards um, online to send him, you know, pictures of himself on the front cover and some fantastic words enclosed. But unfortunately, by the time those letters would have arrived or potentially been ready to send off, he had already left us. So it's a very sad passing there for Errol Christie and um, may God bless him when he does arrive in heaven, of course. Ian Lewison is to face Robert Hellenius over 10 rounds on June 17th in Caleb, Finland. Yeah, it's a strange one. I know that originally Derek Chisora was supposed to take on Robert Hellenius. I'm not too sure what's actually happened there. I don't really know the ins and outs. But Ian Lewison has stepped in um, and he's going to be fighting him. So, yeah, it should be a decent fight. We'll obviously give that a mention a bit later on in the show. But, um, yeah, that's I mean that's that's really all I can say on that one. Should be a good fight. Hopefully Ian Lewison can do a job on him and um, and bring the win back to the UK. And finally... Dennis Salen will take on Kid Galahad for the IBF Intercontinental Featherweight Championship on July 15th at the Wembley Arena on the undercard of Chris Eubank Jr. and Arthur Abraham. Yeah, it's been announced just this week. Um, Chris Eubank Jr.'s undercard last time was a pretty decent undercard. It looks like this time it's going to be a pretty decent undercard as well. Now, um, what I will say is the Dennis Salen fight against Kid Galahad here as you just mentioned. Dennis Seelan when he took on Isaac Lowe that fight was obviously ended prematurely Um, it went to uh, you know it was I think it was a clash of heads. Dennis Seelan come off a little bit worse and that fight ended the way it did Um, Isaac Lowe was gutted about that he really said that he won't get his chance he was you know he was happy to go straight back out there to try and fight for it you know for a rematch straight away and he said pretty much straight away they don't want it they're going to be trying to run from me and it's a shame to see them come over here to the UK and not ring up Isaac Lowe because I know that Isaac Lowe would jump at that rematch as he said before but no they're they're taking on um, Kid Galahad I think that Kid Galahad is a whole new kettle of fish compared to Isaac Lowe I'm not saying that he beats him I'm just saying that um, Kid Galahad's a very very hard man to beat Um, you know it's going to be obviously over in the UK and I just think that this is a much harder fight 
stylistically than the Isaac Lowe rematch would have been because Sealand started really well in that fight and I don't think that Kid Galahad will give him a chance to get into his groove at all. So I think it's a really hard ask there for Dennis Sealand. But yeah, of course, we're going to give our man Kid Galahad the best of luck in this fight. Um, that's it for the news you said, Ayazia. That's correct. Okay, moving over now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start with a card happening over in the Masonic Temple, Detroit, Michigan, USA. One fight to mention on this bill. Clarissa Shields, the double Olympic gold medalist, fights for the vacant WBC silver female super middleweight title. She's obviously looking to be fast-tracked for sure. She takes on Mary... Rancier, who has a record of 7-8 and eight with three draws. It's an eight-round contest, of course. Eight two-minute rounds at super middleweight. All the very best to both girls there. May the best female win. Moving over now to Saturday, because that card just there that I mentioned is taking place on Friday. Moving over to Saturday. Um, one fight to mention over in Argentina, or two fights to mention, actually. Diego Chavez, former opponent of Brandon Rios, he's in a 10-rounder against Jean Carlos Prada, who has a record of 32-3 and three with one draw. Diego Chavez, 25-2 and two with one draw. It's a 10-rounder, as I said, at Super Welterweight. Should be a decent fight, that one. And also, the return of the brother of Marcos Maidana. It's, of course, Fabian Maidana. He's 12-0 and 0 at the moment. He takes on Pedro Verdu, who has a record of 19-15 and 15 with three draws. It's a 10-rounder at Welterweight, that one. All the very best to Fabian Maidana. Moving over now to Denmark at the Ceres Arena. Arena. Um, a strange fight caught my eye here. Lolenga Mock, who is fighting now at super middleweight. I remember, um, you know, quite a few years back, Lolenga Mock knocked David Hay down when they fought, when David Hay was a young cruiserweight. And Lolenga Mock is still fighting in this very day and age. Um, he's got a record of 39 and 14 with one draw, and he takes on our very own Luke Blackledge. Luke Blackledge, last time I saw him fight, he got cleaned out by Callum Smith. So it's a really weird fight, that one. It's a 10-rounder at super middleweight. No belts on the line as well. It's a real strange one. I can't actually believe that they're going to be fighting, but all the very best to Luke Blackledge, 23-3 and with two draws. May he come back to the UK with... The W and moving over now to the Kalev in Estonia, as you mentioned, I as on the news part of the show, we've got to mention it here, of course, as well. Robert Hellenius, 24 and 1 in a 10 rounder at heavyweight, no belts on the line here at all. It's another strange one. Ian Lewis, and of course, he stepped in in place of Derek Chisora. Ian Lewis, and 12 and 3 with one draw, should be a decent fight, hopefully, anyway. But that's it from Estonia. Moving over now to Germany, Stephen Smith's on the bill, but I'm not too sure who he's fighting. But I will say he's on the bill as well and also of course his older brother fights for a world title yet again in the other corner the champion WBA world super middleweight champion I will say Mr. Tyron Zoyga 20-0 with one draw takes on our very own Paul Smith 38-6 and uh, of course it's a 12 round contest um now, Tyrone Zuega is obviously the younger, fresher guy, as we know that. Tyrone Zuega is also a man that's relatively inexperienced at that level. He hasn't really fought anybody of note. His fight with De Carolis was um, a really close fight, and I don't really think many people are too high on De Carolis. Um, and Tyrone Zuega, you know, he 
they're not really high on him either. He's he's relatively untested. He's done really well to pick up a version of the title. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But Paul Smith, he gets another crack at the world title. A lot of people are a little bit unhappy of how he keeps ending up in these title fights after not really beating anybody of note. And I have to agree with that. But Paul Smith's a man that we have to remember at the end of the day. He's British. Um, he's part of the Smith brothers. The Smith brothers have done very, very well for Britain. Um, you know, so we're behind Paul Smith. We want Paul Smith to get the job done. We want him to do the business, and we are definitely behind him. So, um, you know, it should be a decent fight. I'm going to definitely be watching it, but um, it could be a potential banana skin. We don't really know enough about Zoyga at this point. Um, Paul Smith, obviously, you know, he's he's in ex- well, he's, he's experienced at the world level, but he hasn't won the fights at the world level. So, I think it's you know, it should make for a decent contest but as I say we are behind Paul Smith that one's at the Ritual Arena in Wetzlar Hessen Germany I think I've said that right probably not moving over now to Italy it's very rare that you see a card in Italy that actually seems like a really good card now Italy are famous for padding records like no tomorrow um top of the bill Emanuele Blandamora this is a man that I remember seeing get knocked out horrifically by um, Billy Joe Saunders. Now he's in a middleweight contest for the EBU European middleweight title against a man called Alessandro Godi. Um, he's obviously another Italian guy with a record of 30-1 and one with one draw. I've never actually heard of him. He could be really good but he could have a padded record like the rest of them do. Not all of them of course but a lot of these Italians have got really padded records. Also on the bill a really strange one, Carlos Takam. He's in an 8-rounder at heavyweight. His opponent yet to be announced his record 34 and 3 with one draw obviously a really good um you know contender in the heavyweight division to be completely honest also on the bill Andrea Di Luisa that's a former opponent of George Groves I think he took on George Groves last year I think it was early last year I think George Groves stopped him he's in a six rounder his record 17 and 4 his opponent yet to be announced Andrea Scarpa's on this bill as well remember we've seen him in there against John Wayne Hibbert we've seen him in there against O'Hara Davis he lost his title, of course, to O'Hara Davis. He's in a six-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. His record, 21-3. and three. He's a decent fighter, Scarpa. All the very best to him. And also on the bill, a man, again, with a pretty padded record, to be honest. Devis Boschiero, 41-5 and five with one draw. He fights at Super Featherweight. He's in a six-rounder at Super Featherweight. His opponent yet to be announced as well. Obviously, he's been in there at the European level. I think he even tried to challenge at world level once before but came up short but yeah decent fight there for Italian standards that's absolutely sure moving over now to the Guildhall in Preston Lancashire this weekend United Kingdom friend of the show Dave Allen returns to the ring his record 11 and 3 with one draw he's in a six rounder at heavyweight also on the bill Reynold Garrido we recently saw him up against Frankie Gavin he came up short but just short it was a close-ish fight there between him and Frankie Gavin when it really shouldn't have been. Moving over now to the Waterfront Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, John O'Carroll, 13-0, takes on John Quigley, 14-0. This one's for the vacant IBF East and West Europe Super Featherweight title. All the very best to both men, to be honest. John O'Carroll's a man that I want to see moved a little bit quicker. John Quigley, I don't really know too much about. I'm going to hold my hands up, but it should be a good fight. Also on the bill, Craig Evans, 16-1 with two 
draws, puts his WBO European lightweight title on the line, the title he won from Tom Stalker. He puts it on the line against Stephen Orman, 24-3. That should be a good fight. I'm looking forward to that one. That's a 10-rounder at lightweight. Um, it's the third fight of Paddy Barnes's professional career. He's fighting for the vacant WBO European flyweight title against a man called Silvio Ultianu, who has a record of 16 and 11 with one draw. And Ultianu's actually a decent fighter, to be honest. His, his record doesn't suggest it, but he's been in there against some tough guys. So we wish Paddy Barnes all the very best of luck. Moving over now to... A fight happening in the U.S. at the Totstito Championship Plaza in the U.S., of course. Two or three fights to mention on this bill. Joshua Franco, a young prospect, a product of the Robert Garcia gym. His record at the moment, 10-0. He takes on Oscar Mojica, 10-2. This one's for the vacant WBC Youth Silver Super Flyweight title. Also on the bill, Hector Tanahara, friend of the show. He's 9-0. He looks to move to double figures. He's in a six-round contest at Super Featherweight against Eduardo Rafael Reyes who has a record of 8-9 and nine. and top of that bill Fidel Maldonado Jr. 23-3 with one draw takes on Pablo Cesar Cano 30-5 with one draw Cano I think he's a bit long in the tooth now he's been in some good fights he's beaten a few decent guys this one's for the vacant WBC Fekabox super lightweight title some crazy titles on the line this weekend and now moving over to the big one one, of course, we all know about it. It's gone under the radar a little bit. It should be a lot bigger than what it has been. There hasn't been too much talk of it. We're going to start with the undercard. Of course, it's at the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Starting with the undercard, Dmitry Bivol, the undefeated Russian light heavyweight. I remember that he was he was holding, I think it was the interim WBA belt, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like that's not on the line here. I'm not too sure what's going on with that. But Dimitri Bavol's a good fighter, 10-0. He takes on Cedric Agnew, 29-2. That should be a fantastic fight. Luis Arias is in a big fight. I know he's wanted a big fight for a long time. He's been on the show before as well. Luis Arias, he is 17-0. He's fighting for the USBA middleweight title against Arif Magomedov, who has a record of 18-1. and That should be a really, really good fight. It's a 10-rounder at middleweight. Believe me, that should be an absolute cracker. All the very best to Luis Arias. Also on this bill, Guillermo Rigondo, 17-0, takes on Moises Flores, 25-0. A really, really good fight. Moises Flores, finally someone with an unbeaten record who's actually a really good fighter. Puts it all on the line. He's highly ranked. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely a fantastic fighter. He puts it all on the line against Rigondo. A lot of people have been very, you know, scared to, to step up to the plate and fight Rigondo. Moises Flores shows some balls taking this fight, and that... You know, that, that reflects nothing on what may happen. It could be an absolutely fantastic fight. But it's great to see Rigondo out again. He's the most avoided man in boxing, so it would appear. His record 17-0. Moises Flores 25-0. The WBA Super World Super Bantamweight titles on the line. And also the IBO World Super Bantamweight title on the line as well. Both men undefeated. Somebody's O has got to go. And we give Moises Flores a lot of credit for taking it. Rigondo's a man that... Um, 
you know, makes people look bad even if they're good. So that one should be good. I'm looking forward to seeing him out again. And now the main event, Andre Ward, 31-0, and 0, putting his WBA Super, IBF, and WBO World Light Heavyweight titles on the line. The belts he won from Sergei Kovalev, who has a record of 30-1. and 1. That one loss, of course, to Andre Ward, and he also has a draw. It was a fantastic fight the last time I asked. There was a load, a load of close rounds a lot of people scored it um, differently some people scored it to Kovalev most people scored it to Kovalev let's be honest a lot of people also scored it to Andre Ward um, as I said many close rounds it was a fantastic fight it didn't really do great numbers in terms of pay-per-view buyers last time out hopefully it does a little bit better this time they definitely deserve it we rarely ever see two guys at the very top of the sport both in their prime so to speak getting it on and we saw that last time we're going to see it again this weekend we're in for a treat what are you making of it eyes what's your thoughts on this fight huge fight I personally think it's going to be the same fight as the first one before. Obviously, in the first fight, we saw Andre Ward get uh, dropped in the first round by Kovalev. Obviously, we know Kovalev is a very big puncher, and Kovalev is very big. But I'll tell you, in the first fight, you see Ward nicking the rounds by the... Well, you can see Ward was nicking the rounds. I reckon, in my opinion, this fight's going to go to points, and I can tell you for a fact, it's going to be this exactly the same thing as fight when they fought first. I think Ward's just going to beat him on points again. That's how I'm gonna go. I've got a feeling Ward's because I think Ward's jab. I think Ward has got one of the best jabs in the in the sport, and I reckon that's what he was doing in the in his in the last fight. He was winning it with the jab, and in my opinion, I reckon Ward's gonna win it. Ward's gonna Ward's gonna do the same thing what he did in the last fight and win win it on points. Now I thought that the first fight. I mean, I scored the first fight to Sergei Kovalev. Um, you know, I, I've I expressed some anger really after that fight. I kind of said like, how can you score this fight to Ward, especially by more than one round? I mean, I wouldn't say it was a robbery. It was really close. But Sergei Kovalev started really well. Um, Sergei Kovalev was imposing his jab early on in the fight. He seemed to tire. He actually came out. I've seen um, they've obviously done like a HBO. I think it's a HBO show. Um, I can't remember now because it obviously wasn't shown on HBO. It was on the Sky thing, uh, you know, on the Sky Planner. So I watched it on there. But like the 24-7 in the build-up to this, um, Kovalev openly admits he was done after round five and he hung in there. He said he didn't feel any of, um, you know, Andre Ward's punches. I'm not too sure I want to believe that. But he did seem to gas very early. He said that he had overtrained. I think he even said he was doing something like 14 miles running every day. I mean, that is just crazy. To do that much road work is just crazy. I mean, that's unheard of. Um, obviously, Sergei Kovalev being the power puncher. Andre Ward being the master boxer. Sergei Kovalev, also, you cannot underestimate his boxing skills. He showed them before. He's been in there with Bernard Hopkins, albeit an old Bernard Hopkins. But it is what it is. The man can box as well. Um, Kovalev... I, I don't know, he just, I don't know, he just seemed to kind of slow down, and, and if he doesn't slow down, I think he wins the fight, I mean, I thought he won the first fight, but if he manages to not slow down, if he manages to, um, you know, to, to not be a bit lackluster after five rounds, then I really think that he's going to win this fight more clearly than last time, the easiest round last time to score was, as you said, I as that knockdown round, you said that you can see the fight going very similar to uh, to, to the last fight, you know, is that because of you, you think that Ward's going to win, you know, etch it out on points, or do you think that one man is going to be tasting the canvas or, or not? Do you think it's, do you think both men are going to be on their feet for the whole 12, or do you see anyone going down at all? 
I personally see both uh, fighters are. They're not going to be dropped. None of them. I reckon it's just going to be. I reckon it's going to be like a chess game. Okay, so um, you see Ward winning on points. Um, I'm going to go against you, Ayers. This may sound a little bit crazy, but I actually have been thinking lately. I think that Kovalev may even be able to stop Ward. But what I will say is we won't talk about the method of victory. You've gone with Ward. I've gone with Kovalev. The score at the moment in predictions is 5-4 to me. If you win this, Ayers, you close the gap and we are level. Um I'm going to go with Kovalev. I think possibly I'm I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go with him on points, but we don't have to say that. I think it could be a knockout, it could be points. You've gone with Andre Ward and we'll leave it at that. But no, it's a fantastic fight. Hopefully it gets the, you know, the the recognition it deserves. It's a fantastic fight. As I said, two guys at the top of the sport, both arguably in the top 10 pound for pound getting it on. And I really didn't think the rematch was going to come. I think Kovalev needed the rematch. I think Andre Ward was talking about possibly retiring. And I remember hearing him speak and all that. And he just didn't... I don't know. I just kind of thought he was going to retire. Because I think that, that fight was too close for his comfort. And a lot of people's comfort. And I did not think he'd give him the rematch. So all credit to Andre Ward for taking the rematch. He puts it all on the line. He's got a lot to lose here. Not just you know, not just the belts that he's won off Kovalev, but also the undefeated record. This is, I don't want to say it's a legacy damaging fight because Kovalev's a fantastic fighter. And always, at the end of the day, on paper, he's got that win the first time over him, regardless of what happens, even if he gets, even if he gets stopped in the first round. So um, I credit... Andre Ward for taking the fight, but all the very best to both men. But for me, I'm going to go with Kovalev. You're going to go with Ward. A fantastic, fantastic fight. And that really wraps up the preview. And we've done the review. And we've done the first guest. We've done the preview. And we did the news. It's now time to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current WBA Continental Champion, Mr. Robbie Davies Jr. Robbie, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show, mate. Hey, it's my pleasure, my friend. So, Robbie, it's been announced that you'll be fighting on the Chris Eubank Jr. versus Arthur Abraham undercard on July 15th. Now, first and foremost, it's a big deal. It's on ITV. It's going to be the first time you've fought in London as a pro. I bet you're looking forward to all that. How did it all come about for you, Robbie? Uh, literally, we were waiting around. And the... I've been having a few shows with like Maxim and that in the early stages, and then I've been going on... Um few dinner shows and things like that but still fighting a decent caliber of opponents but going slightly under the radar because obviously some of the shows weren't televised and then all of a sudden uh, ITV popped up and then I was uh, set to be fighting uh, on undercards and things like that and then next minute on the first platform that came about for uh, ITV4 I ended up topping the bill and then from then ITV have taken to me uh, a lot of the public have built a bit of interest around me. And it's all just really came on from there. So your opponent has been announced. You'll be fighting Michael Sirowatka, sorry. Uh, a man yeah. with a record of 18-1. and one. That one loss was, if I'm not mistaken, a fight he was winning. And in the fourth round, he got stopped. He got hit flush on the temple. It was kind of like a balance thing. He was all over the place. The referee stopped it. However, there was an immediate rematch, which you do know about. He avenged that loss by a unanimous decision. Yeah. Aside from that, Robbie, do you know much else about the man? Uh, I know as an amateur he was like the number one in the country, European Games, World Championships, um, things like that. 
uh, when he went in the world, he got beat by the eventual winner of the whole tournament. Um, so it wasn't really a lot to go off because that same champion beat loads of top names in the same tournament. Um, obviously, to be the number one in Poland, it isn't like being the number one in Great Britain, though. As you can imagine, obviously, our standard is a lot higher in the overall weight categories. And obviously, like even if you go off his box there, there's only like 12 or 13 of them in the whole weight where in Britain. There's, there's about 2,000 of us <laughs> in the one weight. So it's, um, it is fits and bobs, but... Uh, I've looked through his records and things like that, looked at a few of the opponents he's beat. When he actually got stopped by, um, what was his name again? Um, Jackowicz, Wicks. He, like, he, was, he was past his best at the time as well. Although he was a former European champion and he fought for world titles, um, when, um, when Mitchell actually boxed him, he was, um, he was past his best anyway. Um, so I think he was he'll probably be gutted to have that loss on his record. I think that's why he probably wants to avenge it quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a good all round fighter. He's in great shape like myself, do you know what I mean? No point getting any little chunks at this stage in my career. Obviously I want someone that's coming in fit, strong and ready, obviously to take on take him on and then I'll go to the next level again. Yeah, absolutely. And Robbie, as you know, you're highly ranked with the WBA. In your honest opinion, would you say that you're ready for the world-level fighters in your weight class, or do you think maybe you need a few more learning fights before stepping in against someone on that level? It depends what world champion you talk about at the time. Like, in for, for like the number one and two have just fought each other. They're like Krill Relic and Rance Bartholomew. They Rance Bartholomew is a two-weight world champion. Mark. At a super featherweight and lightweight, uh, and he's undefeated. But I'd fight him in a happy. You know what I mean? Krill Relic, he's fought Ricky Baines. I'd, I'd do what Ricky Baines couldn't do, and I'd knock him out. Um, like so, Ricky Baines, he wouldn't phase me at all either. But then you go to like the next level where you're looking at like yeah, Terence Crawford, and maybe some of the fellas that haven't actually got world titles, but they'd be elite in the weight. Some of them might have a bit too much experience for me at the moment. Um, like you've Victor Postel's, um, uh, top of me, like you Lucas Matisse's, people like that. Um, like to them, they might have a bit too much experience now because I've only had 15 fights and after this one, it's still only 16. So although I've moved through the rankings quickly, um, some of them have been fighting forever. They've, and they've been in at like elite level for a good the last five, six years where I'm only hoping to break onto the scene maybe next year or late this year. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I, uh, I was interested to see what you were going to say there, and I think you answered that very well. It is important to, of course, stay grounded, but no, you, you answered that perfectly. Um, you're in a funny position because, obviously, you're ranked third in the world with the WBA. Uh, Julius Indongo holds the WBA title. However, it's looking like he may unify with Crawford. Whoever wins that will end up with all well, the belts. Well, I think... Go on. He's, he's actually hoping that he gets to unify with the belts because he's got a mandatory slapped on him by the IBF with Limpinitz, Sergio Limpinitz, and he's doing his best to stay away from that. He's he's playing the fool that he's injured because he's holding out to hope Crawford, because the only way you can get away from a mandatory is by having a unification. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he he, he probably knows Limpinitz will punch holes in him. Limpinitz, if you don't know him, he's like 10 or 12 and old. Yeah. And his, his whole record, like against twenty and all opponents, from the way it go, like he's a handful for anyone. He's a Russian, and um, 
so I think that's what he's trying to hold out for. And then if there's a regular belt with him, with the WBA, the way they have the, the regular still, someone like Rance Bartholomew or Relic might win that soon. And they might be end up mandatory for his other belts for the WBA. So I think in Dongold, really, he's holding out for as quick as he can, for, for, sorry, for as long as he can to try and get that unification fight. But if Terence Crawford decides to maybe step up a weight or go for a big mega fight with someone like Pacquiao, and in Dongo, we'll, we'll lose the big money fights and we'll have to fight one of them, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, but like I was saying, it, it's a funny situation because uh, if, if they do end up unifying, that's whether he decides to drop the IBF belt or whatever he does. If he does end up unifying, it, it's good for fans because you know who's the number one man in the division, but it's bad for guys who are contenders like yourself who may end up having to wait if someone holds all the belts. You know, it could take a long time to end up getting a shot. Um, one, man, one man I know that you've previously talked about fighting is your namesake, O'Hara Day. Davis, he's fighting Josh Taylor a week before your fight. Ideally, would you like the winner of that fight next, providing you get through Cyril Watka? I already know who's going to win that fight. Josh Taylor's going to probably either box his head off or stop him late. Because that's exactly what I'd have done to O'Hara Davis. He's not on the level people think he's at. People are just falling into a hype train because of what Matchroom have made a good job of doing so. And he's obviously he's done a good job himself with his talking ability. But he he he's like he sent himself to the Lions going up to Glasgow against Josh Taylor. Um, if Josh was to win and I was to win and he wanted to fight me, obviously I could be in a very good position with the WBA after this win. Um, maybe in a final eliminator or possibly knocking on the door of a mandatory, whether whether it's against Endogno or whether it's just for a regular WBA version of the belt, like for what Paul Smith and Zeiger are fighting for. Um, so for them to want to fight me, it'd have to be basically everything on my terms because they've got not an ad once and I've probably got everything they'd want, if you understand that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So you said there that you think Josh Taylor wins that fight. Um, have you got any kind yeah, hands of, down. Have you got any kind of personal favouritism in there, like who you'd want to win? I suppose it's probably Josh Taylor. Oh, right? no. No, no. Oh, no, you're just... Honestly, okay. no. No, I just, I'm just giving the honest opinion. Uh, I've, I've known Josh for a long time. I've, I know he's, a, you know he's a good tactical fighter. And things I can see with O'Hara, and, and me and my coach have look, looked at with O'Hara, and what, what we can pick up on pretty easy. I'm sure Taylor and his team can as well. Um, like, i seen an interview with O'Hara the other day, and he says he doesn't have no tactics going into a fight. He says he just get it, gets in there and done it. I said, well, if that is the case, you're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, okay, fair, fair enough. So those two guys just mentioned, O'Hara and Josh, you're all roughly around about the same kind of level in terms of progression at this point. Um, most people would say that those two are bigger names than yourself. You've, in many ways, got to where you are today in the shadows, behind closed doors. Do you like the fact... Uh, Robbie, that the spotlight and the pressure isn't on you at this point. Do you like the fact that you've kind of done it, you know, all no, of a sudden you've jumped up, but it's, it's not It's not all of a sudden. You've worked towards it, but you've just kind of, um, you know, emerged on that stage at the moment. What it is, like, like all them are like all, all like calling each other and doing everything and they're all fighting each other, but they're all falling off the mountain one by one. 
and I'm just going up the other side on my own. No one's calling me out. No one's bothering me. And I'm not bothering any of them. And I'm just taking over one by one. One by one. And I'm slowly getting up to the top. Uh, like now, one of them I've got to lose now. Another one's going to fall off. Um, like there's other good lads in our way. Cassidy, they're fighting each other. Can't think of the two names now. Um, Jack and Jack and Mace. One of them lose. One of them fall off. So then there's only three. It's just it's just how how your progression moves on. Um, when obviously when whoever's left at the top, hopefully it is I am one of them, and then I'll fight whoever's at the top with me. But the way I've way I've been progressing now, like I've without sounding like I think I'm too good for the British scene, which I know there's a lot of great fighters. I've like gone past it now. I never win this fight. I could be made up on the world stage where some of them have got a long way to go to get to where I am. And that's probably because I've done it in the shadows with no moaning, didn't beg for beg for crumbs off none of these promoters' plates and just kept my mouth shut, kept my head down and worked. And with me manager and my team around me, we're slowly getting there. Yeah, I have to say, I do admire that. Um, something that you touched on just briefly, you mentioned um, Paul Smith and Zoiga, their situation fighting for the regular belt. Um, obviously, yeah. you're from you're from the same neck of the woods as the Smith brothers. Are you a fan of the Smith brothers? A lot of people aren't, but are you? I No, I get on with the Smiths, yeah. I, I, I like Liam. Liam is probably the one who I speak to the most if I see him out or anything like that. And when I was first saying I'm pro, I asked Paul little bits of advice and things like that. So, and obviously, whenever me and Callum were fighting, we probably uh, we always miss each other look and things like that. Yeah. So I get so I have a, I have a good relationship with them. I'm not like best mates with any of them, but I get I would never walk past any of them without letting on or having a little chat with any of them. They do say in Liverpool you'll never walk alone, but yeah, 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 of course. No, they're both, they're both, they're all good guys. We uh, we wish Paul the very best, of course, uh, this weekend. Um, obviously, as I said, you're fighting on the undercard of, of Chris Eubank Jr. and Arthur Abraham. Have you got any kind of opinion on how that fight may play out? It's a, it's a really good fight. My, my, my honest opinion, I think, because... A lot of fighters struggle with the weight rate of Chris Eubank because he's so fit, not so much his punch power, more his weight rate and his punch of his volume of punches. And I think because of Arthur Abraham's style, where he like clods you, walks you down, makes you work for the first two minutes of the round, and then tries to jump on you for the last minute, I just don't think them tactics are going to work at all against someone like Chris Eubank. He'll do two minutes at a decent pace, and then when you try to go up a pace on the last minute he'll go up with you so I think I think Arthur Abraham's only chances if he gets that lucky punch which in boxing anyone can get as we've seen many times before it's happened before and it'll happen again but in my honest opinion I think it'll be a shutout for you bank on points yeah no, nonetheless a, a good fight but no I, I have to agree with most of what you said there and your your final chance to give a prediction for the big fight this weekend uh, Andre Ward Kovalev getting it on for the second time of course a big 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 fight probably gone under the radar a little bit but what's your take on that yeah. one yeah well I watched the first one and like Kovalev in the first five rounds he was sharp and he was everywhere and boom shots were banging in but then it was like from round five, round six, he just went flat. And I think I think Kovalev knew that. I think he said something similar to it in one of his interviews after the fight. And he's been saying in this one, he's obviously he's not going to make that mistake again because when he went flat, 
does not give Ward a chance to even come into the fight at all. But with Andre Ward, it, even if you doubt him, he always finds a way. He's one of them fighters. It doesn't matter how he does it or what he has to do to win. He just does it. He's got a great team around him. If I, if I had to pick someone, I'm talking like one's even, one's five, six odds. <laughs> I'm talking I'd give it slightly favouring Andre Ward. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a general consensus. But um, I'm going against the grain. I think Kovalev pulls off the win here. I'm not too sure how, but um, definitely a mouth-watering clash anyway. And Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, sorry, go on. Okay, like that's what I'm saying. Kovalev, like the last one, it was controversy. And he said he went flat from round five. If he's different in this fight, and he's more energetic. Well, you say could be right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But nonetheless, though, either way, it's, it's going to be a good fight. Hopefully, it's not too close this time. That's one thing. Um, and the yeah. final the final real question for you, Robbie. You don't have to give it to us if you don't want to. Have you got any kind of prediction for your fight? How do you think you're going to win uh, come July 15th? It, it all depends how he approaches the fight. I've seen him in a few. Even though he's short and stocky and very muscular, he looks intense to go on the back foot and have a move. I think, I think in his amateurs... He was a bit more of a mover. I even got one of his national finals up, which he was nowhere near as technically as good as he's in a younger age as he is now. His hands were everywhere and everything, but he, he had a move, like he'd jab and move and slip and things like that. Where I think he's intent to go backwards, but if he comes to meet me in the middle, I think that'll be his downfall because I, I, I'm a pressure fighter, and if a pressure fighter meets a pressure fighter, the two wants it most, and when it comes to the battle of will, I don't think anyone will beat me. And I think I'll I'll just smash him up on the inside. But if he goes on the move, it might be a long night and might be a, a point win. But it all depends on what way he approaches the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, the, uh, the the win is the most important thing, of course. All right, just before we yeah. let you go, Robbie, I just want to really give you a chance to give anybody a shout-out, give anybody a mention, perhaps sponsors, your team, your trainer, your manager, anybody you like. Just take it away. Oh, I'd just like to thank my manager, Neil Marsh, for getting me in this great position on ITV, for getting me on this great show. My coach, Dave Tonks, and uh, Joe Tonks and Alan Kaufman. Without them, like, this wouldn't be possible. My advisors, my advisors Steve Latham and Paul Smith, my physio, Ben Sterling, and my nutritionist to keep me in the best shape possible, uh, John Clark. Just like to give them a little shout-out, because I'm yeah, glad you said that, because most of the time I don't normally get a chance to do that for these types of people, and they've been with me from he wants and I'm, I'm happy I've just got to say that for them. Hey, you can always do that on our show, my friend. Okay, listen, Robbie, it's been a pleasure having you on this week's show. Best of luck for July 15th and no doubt we'll catch up again very soon. Oh, yeah, anytime. Just give me a bell and I'm always there about Tommy phones. Never help me on. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 87 of the Box Hard Podcast. Just before we end it, whilst we've been recording this show, two big fights have been announced. Carl Frampton will face Mexico's Andres Gutierrez on July 29th in Belfast. And the circus act of a fight, that is Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, has been confirmed also. Myself and I as will discuss that fight in more detail on next week's podcast. A big thank you to our two guests 
guests, the former WBA Super Welterweight World Champion Austin Trout and the future WBA Light Welterweight World Champion Robbie Davies Jr. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. Remember, if you get a chance to leave us a review on iTunes, I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Sumra, has been I, as Sumra. Thank you all for listening.